Hey, so I just heard that uh, in South Africa, they are like having some issues there with political correctness. Yeah. So they are renaming the great white shark to the um, Caucasian Anglo shark. <laughs> Fact. That's in the no way true. It is. The news told you that. The news. A news. A news. <laughs> news. This must have been Yahoo News junk news. Some Yahoo told me this. HuffPost.com. <laughs> The Open Road Podcast Welcome. is here. It's coming through your ears through the magic of the internet. Thank you for being with us. Thanks, internet. Calvin, what's the whole point of the Open Road Podcast? All right. The Open Road Podcast, practical tips through inspiring stories. Yeah, and we're doing that by talking to people who are having some kind of adventure in different areas. So, yeah. you know, things like food and drink. We have an episode on that. You know, exploration in the outdoors. We have an episode on that. What's uh, What do we got this week? This week, we are going diving into the world of commerce and entrepreneurship. That's right. And we're going to be chatting with a guy who's doing some uh, neat stuff uh, in partnership with some people in Uganda. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But before that, Calvin, you know, this whole thinking of Uganda, God was thinking about Africa. Have you ever been to Africa? On a technicality, I've been to Africa. I've been to Egypt, which is North Africa. I have been to Correct. Egypt as well. In That's North a fact. Africa. It is a fact. Okay, we yeah. have been to Africa. It, so it is North Africa. Okay. When were you there? Uh, I think I was there in 2010. Who were you with? A buddy. A bu- school. <laughs> a buddy. Like, was this like while you were traveling abroad? You guys like, yeah. hopped down to Egypt? Yeah. Did you fly into Cairo? We floated into Alexandria. On a balloon? Balloon slash boat. Oh, uh, th- a balloat. <laughs> That's actually funny because they actually have a lot of hot air balloon ride. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> balloon balloon rides that go over the Valley of the Kings. Oh, my no. parents actually did that. A year later, what's the news headline? Twenty tourists die in fiery <laughs> balloon crash. No. Yeah, I'm not joking. So they had to shut it down. But anyways, oh, it's really a sketchy. beautiful balloon trip. But okay, so you came over on a boat. Yeah, we came over there, and then we, you know, we did the, uh, we kind of just bust straight to the pyramids. Yep. And then uh, it's a pretty amazing sight. Like, it is kind of crazy. I so have we, been there, and I can fully agree. Yeah, it's incredible. We got... I am a little bit jaded toward Egypt because what? I got reprimanded there. <laughs> what did you do? Him, my buddy and I, we were... We, like, climbed up on, like, kind of, like, the lower block of one of the pyramids. Yep. And then we decided to go for it, like, see how high we could climb. Yep. And, like, they're big blocks. They're, like, 10 feet tall. They're huge blocks. And so, blocks. like, you're kind of, like, pulling yourself up. Anyways, we, we got, like, screamed at by a dude on a camel with a rifle. <laughs> like one of the- How high did you get up? Not that far. Was this like, guy, like, pointing the gun at you or is he holding it over his shoulder? He's holding it up in a malicious way yelling at you yeah yelling he was at us on a camel in arabic yeah he was on a camel yeah there, yeah there's lots of guys on camels they're all like security had you ever ridden a camel no um nope never ridden a camel all right well let me tell you my well i'm sorry that you you know you got reprimanded yeah. by that guy but i mean let, i go back yeah 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 it's, and it's not climb it's pretty incredible yeah and let me tell you about my camel slash pyramid story so i was there as well uh with some other friends i think this was 2010 that's the same year i was there Wait, were you there when I was Wait, there? Wait, was that you that was with me? No. That was you on the camp. <laughs> so we were there. I was there with two um, two good buddies and then two uh, girls. We had just done three weeks through Israel and Palestine, and then we went all together down to, uh, to see the pyramids. And we did one of these tours where you basically rent camels, and we rented 
uh, three camels and two horses. And, and, we, a, and a guide? Or and just a guide. Like, okay. Yeah, and a guide. And he kind of took us through the desert into... Oh. Uh, into where the pyramids are. The really interesting thing about that area is like how close the pyramids are to Cairo. Right. Like you like look at the pyramids. There's like the deserts like majestic, and then you like turn your head 90 degrees. It's like the whole city. It's like really close to the city. But uh, anyways, we get out and we're like follow like probably it was like three kilometers from where we got on these camels, and these these things are massive. So wait, explain to me how you sit on the camel. Like, do you sit in? Is there like a two humps and you sit in the valley? So I'm not exactly sure if these were like two hump camels or just one hump camels, but they had this big saddle on, so you couldn't even really see the humps because there was this huge saddle oh, over I them. See. So camels are interesting. Their knees actually bend the wrong way. Right? Did you know that? Uh, I did know that. Yeah. So the the camel's like down on the ground, and then it almost has like two knee joints. So you hop on. And then, like, as you're going up, it, like, flings you way back and then brings you forward. And then you're, like, so high off the ground. It's pretty interesting. So you think that one leg has two knees on a camel. <laughs> it, it, can, it can bend. Like, it bends in multiple directions. Okay. Go look it up. I will look it up. Absolutely. <laughs> I do not believe that. So a couple of us on camels, whatever you believe is what you believe. I'm not going to try to convince you what to believe. But anyways, we're on, we're on our way through the desert. And there's a couple of us on horses. And at this point, I am on a camel. And my one buddy's on a horse and the guide is on a horse. And um, as we're like approaching the pyramids, there's like this big, big, long stretch of desert. And so he's like, all right, let's take the horse for a run. And so now I see my buddy like hauling on this horse beside this guy. And they're just like running through the <laughs> desert. And like it looked like the coolest thing. I was like, this is a tr- this guy's a true Arabian night. And like it must have felt so cool to be running on a horse through the desert. That's amazing. We're watching them. They're just off in the distance. All of a sudden. We see this huge like cloud of sand like fly up into the air. And we're like, what on earth just happened? And with the dust kind of settles and we see the guide is like on the ground, got launched off his horse. And the horse is like like on <laughs> lying there on the ground. Horse gets up, guide gets back on the horse. They like slowly trot back to where we are on the camels. Guy's got like <laughs> blood pouring down his face. He just biffed on but playing it cool <laughs> but playing it totally cool like clearly dazed and like borderline <laughs> concussed as he's like guiding us over to the pyramids he's bleeding literally out of his head and like i did snap a picture of him it is leading I... you off into the <laughs> abyss of the desert so like we felt pretty bad for him but he was like no i'm okay i'm okay like you can keep going and uh and so then we went over to the pyramids and i mean if you haven't seen the pyramids you have to go see them it's a spectacular sight um and I was lucky enough to then get to ride the horse back towards where we were from and got to do the the running, you know, through the desert on the horse. And honestly, it was completely exhilarating. Like nice. it was just like this really cool feeling. Did you buy any souvenirs while you were there? Um, I don't really think so. Probably a postcard or something. You were able to resist? Yeah, oh yeah. Buying a souvenir <laughs> from the people there selling souvenirs? Yeah. You ins- had to. It's insane. I know. But like, like, you just get swarmed. But they like it's the biggest ripoff. Like, okay, this actually was interesting. We were we just got off the bus um right outside the Sinai Desert mm-hmm. and it was gonna take us into Cairo, like by taxi. Oh yeah, so we came from Israel, we got to Cairo, and then we were taking the taxi to our hostel. It was actually scary. There were like hordes of taxi drivers like descending right, on right, us right. trying to get our business, and there were like guys that were like fighting each other for us. It was like Crazy. really weird. Really weird. But we got there safely, which was great. What are you gonna do? Yeah. Egypt, interesting, interesting yeah, place. Pretty cool place. So today, guys, we're talking to uh, Luke, um, and he is a co-founder of a little organization called Ubuntu, 
And I'm actually just going to read what their philosophy is on their website before we hop into the interview. So uh, you get a little bit of context for uh, who he is and what he's all about. Can so, you hit us with the spelling of that? Yeah. Ubuntu is M-B-U-N-T-U. So Ubuntu Lifestyle is a brand built on the East African philosophy, Ubuntu, meaning I am a product of the people who surround me, or I am because we are. Co-founders Luke and Mark Wilms developed the brand after years of traveling to and from East Africa, accumulating years uh, in, ti- in time spent in Uganda, Kenya, and Zimbabwe. Largely due to their father's research surrounding the HIV-AIDS pandemic through the early 90s and the founding of the Salama Shield Foundation in 1992. The SSF began implementing the philosophy through its vocational approach to education. Uh, the Ubuntu Dialogues was a course that was offered by the, the, uh, in the Vocational Education Institute and focused on collaboration, entrepreneurship, and having a community mindset. So with the Ubuntu philosophy representing the spirit of entrepreneurship, Luke and Mark decided to trademark Ubuntu as a brand that encompassed their own entrepreneurial endeavors while expanding and exposing its philosophical meaning to Western audiences. Ultimately, Ubuntu is a company that promotes going beyond one's domestic network to collaborate, partner, invest, and innovate. Ubuntu. Ubuntu. So we're really excited to talk to Luke. Obviously, he has an interesting approach to the things that he is doing. And uh, this is an interview in the entrepreneurship and commerce uh, bucket and how we can find adventure in that area. All right. Let's have a listen. All right. Well, welcome to the Open Road Podcast. We are here with Luke from Ubuntu. And uh, Luke, how are you doing today, man? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Really good to have you on. Um, we're here to chat a little bit about adventure from the standpoint of entrepreneurship and commerce. And you have a pretty cool story of all the stuff that you're up to uh, right now. So why don't you start us off sort of even from the very beginning and, and share what you've been up to? Oh, okay. Uh, I guess it sort of, sort of started in the late 80s, early 90s when uh, my family would travel frequently to East Africa, Zimbabwe, Kenya, Uganda, uh, Malawi as well. Uh, my dad was an HIV researcher at the time doing sort of behavioral, studying behavioral risks for the virus and hmm. working with traditional healers and sort of faith-based uh, communities sort of looking at the stigmas surrounding the virus at the time. And it sort of obviously it was a very sort of uh, new thing in the late 80s, early 90s. And sort of I think my dad was one of the ones to publish the first case in Uganda. Wow. Uh, it's like 1991, around that time. Hmm. So we, we as a family would frequently go to East Africa and sort of um, as we grew older, sort of our friend network would grow and our business network would grow as well. So um, so sort of when I turned 1920, I, I was been on a few safaris at that time and sort of working with another safari company who was sort of hiring me ad lib to, to take clients, um, through Kenya, Tanzania and Uganda. And it was sort of, uh, sort of spurred my interest on sort of the travel industry at large and sort mm-hmm. of. Um, this company would hire me to sort of just sort of take the clients around and sort of I was very comfortable with um, the environment. Uh, so I sort of started this company sort of when I was twenty twenty one called the Safari Project, and it was kind of like an exposing, um, you know, an exposure company, sort of looking into the models for for charities that were sort of focusing on social travel, hmm. social good, ethical safaris, if you want to call it mm-hmm. that. Um, so that was that venture was called the Safari Project, and it was very sort of. Um, the, the goal was to um, 
do trips with a lot of dialogue and a lot of storytelling right. as opposed right. to going and say um, sort of recovering your ecological footprint or whatever like that um, footprint sorry so it's, it was very much like a very uh, dialogue based approach to travel hmm. um, and then that sort of spurred on a new company that was called Shield Safaris which was um, very much attached to the Salama Shield Foundation which is the foundation my dad started in 1992 hmm. um, so these are these were two ventures that really um, we're not failures, but sort of it, it goes to show that you, you have a few failures before you find that niche that really works for you. And I think that that was these are big learning experiences for me starting something that from scratch and really not knowing what the company was going to be or maybe not, you know, planning out sort of a business plan perspective, which I can maybe get into later if you guys want to talk about entrepreneurship and all that. But yeah, this is really mention... like the starting point for learning about how to start something properly. So hmm. that. And then sort of over the years, we, we, my brother and I would sort of, he were a few years apart, but I think with all our business networks, I sort of fell into the coffee industry um, and sort of that sort of started lighting my interest for sort of combining travel with coffee tours and, and all the rest of it. And we sort of were importing art um, from an artist on the outskirts of Kampala, which was very sort of gaining a lot of interest in, in the GTA as well for for new abstract art coming from Africa. So we started this import-export brand and it was sort of all these ventures that we had coming into fruition that was like, okay, we're getting, we're sort of losing sight of our focus again huh. and we need to realign with a business and company that's going to sort of um, really sort of transcend what we're trying to do while making sense so that, as a multi-venture company, so to speak. So that's very interesting. So you kind of started in the tour started doing some tours. Were you living out, out there while you were doing that, sort of in your early 20s? Or were yes, you doing that? Yes, after high school, I did about a six-month stint. Oh, okay. and, and I think um, after high school, I did another six-month stint. So I, I, like usually my trips last about three to four weeks. Okay. I've sort of been cutting down on that recently, sort of mm -hmm. getting sort of more focus on the trips as well. But How have, um, you, but found, yeah, so, how have you found like kind of the, the politics about starting a business in a different country? That's a good question. I mean, that's... One of the first questions clients will ask me is what's the, the um, mm -hmm. political stability um, in the country? Is it safe? And there's a lot of statistics out there saying that you know Africa has had its fair share of, of crime. I mean, obviously, when I was there in 1996, there was the bombing of the U.S. Embassy. Yeah. Um, and, the, you know, I remember wow. being like two or the four, sorry, six or seven years old. The, the white farmer disputes were happening in Zimbabwe at the time. So white farmers were having their, their land taken away from right. them from like sort of a more political history. Um, and so, yeah, it was sort of there was all these sort of, um, you know, uh, experiences that we, we saw as kids that sort of. It could have prevented us from starting a company in, yep. in, in Africa, but it ultimately it sort of spurred us on to say, look, like the, these things happen in Canada as well. And you look at recent mm -hmm. statistics saying there's the more people are killed in the U.S. Hmm. And, and worldwide than sort of in, in Africa now. So yeah. it's, it is safe. I've never had an issue. Um, and I, I just tell clients, look, keep your wits about you. But that's your, that's your yeah. first question that I'm normally asked is, is, right. is it safe, obviously? So that's obviously uh, from right out of the gate, that's a big concern. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, sort of hiring people and, and business partners that sort of allow you to do what you do. Oh man, you lost them. I lost them for a bit there. Let's see if it comes back. Hey, Luke. Hey, how's it going? Okay, good. We're back. That's weird. Yeah, we can we can edit that and get it back together. Okay, cool. So yeah, if so, what you're sort of saying there is you started in the travel and and the politics was very interesting as you kind of waded through that and then you I thought this was interesting you sort of fell into the coffee game and uh, tell us a little bit more about what your solution was for kind of finding your kind of pulling it all together. 
Uh, I mean, the the word Ubuntu is is, is stems from uh, Ubuntu, which is more of a South African um, term used by Nelson Mandela and Desmond Tutu. Sort of during the time of the near the end of the apartheid, it was sort of the sort of bringing people together. The the it's sort of definitive of I am because of the people who surround me. I am because mm. we are. Hmm. Um, and so that word was used, um, and it still is, with the Salama Shield Foundation uh, for one of our OVC programs, or Orphans and Vulnerable Children, and it's called the Ubuntu Program. And sort of it's a philosophy that we sort of use uh, in our inner circle internally uh, with, with the foundation and all our staff. And we thought this, this word has a really cool sort of flow to it that would sort of resonate on, you know, apparel to coffee bags to whatever. It has that sort of... It, it, it spurs people on to ask the question, what does that mean? And sure. sort of then you can get into the dialogue on what the company is and sort of any any dragon on dragons then will tell you, well, I don't like the word because I can't pronounce it. Oh, okay. um, and so it's a good, it's sort of a, a double-edged sword for us, I think. It's, sort yep. of, it's worked for us and, and, and when people sort of gravitate towards the word, you know, it's palatable to the Western Western culture as well. Anyone can use this. It's not just those who have stepped foot in Africa. So um, so that, that, sort of, that sort of stimulated the effort. Yeah, so now Ubuntu is the sort of the umbrella to the different organizations that you're running underneath it. Yes, yes. Ubuntu sort of we we call it a multi venture lifestyle brand. Right. Okay. Yeah. Multi venture lifestyle brand. Yeah, it's so, a bit of a mouthful. Luke, no, can you good. get into a little bit of uh, where you are now with Ubuntu and and what you guys are up to? Yeah, so we're currently expanding our coffee line. Uh, we're targeting select shops to sell select shops to sell our Ubuntu bags, um, but also collaborating with bigger coffee company coffee companies as we're getting ready to launch a new coffee profile okay. and sort of from a new farm cooperative. Um, so a nice natural arabica out of western Uganda. So we're pretty okay. excited about that. Um, we've been using a co-op that sort of people have really liked, um, but obviously as a coffee company, you need to keep growing and trying new profiles and mm-hmm. new roast profiles and um, new farms that sort of are going to help you for the long term to build out that um, stability and sort of longevity as a company because the coffee game is, what we're learning is very, I don't want to use the word cutthroat, but you need to know your your strikes when it's when it's time to know sort of cost of per pound and, and right. sort of who's um, yeah, know, to- not not dealing with any middlemen, right? We're buying, we're, we're straight buyers. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. yeah, it's sort of, it's sort of a, a company that people dedicate their lives to the coffee industry and we sort of fall into it and sort of, right. um, every day is learning experience for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nickel and dime business. So you have to make sure you're keeping fair. Yeah. And I imagine the, the landscape in that area is, is getting more competitive, uh, in recent years, I mean, now everybody likes their specialty coffees and and different things like that. Have you um, found there's been a lot of people gravitating towards uh, your brand and then staying loyal, or do you find it, you know, people, yeah, they'll buy this, they'll buy that. What have you been finding in in the ways of that? I think the way we've sort of tailored the company as a lifestyle brand, I think people who are looking at our our travel. Um, realm are really gravitating towards the coffee because it sort of has this unique parallel. But I think what's really getting people interested in our coffee is the story and the origin. Uganda is really not on the uh, the map, uh, the coffee right. map, so to speak. You have Ethiopia, Kenya, uh, even Malawi and Rwanda are gaining a bit of traction in the coffee world. So U- hmm. Uganda still needs to step it up on a sort of, it's more of a, a more of its processing um processing and sort of hulling the way you sort of um sorting and everything like there's so many different steps to getting right. the coffee the way it tastes 
and and then it's also working with farmers that are going to get you what you need. So a big order of say twenty tons, you need to be able to sort of sort all that and have consistency as well. So, um, but I think for for us, people are really interested in the origin. Like I say, Uganda is really really not on the map, and we sort of we really want to be one of the first to bring it to Canada and North America on a large scale for the first time. So that's sort of been our our biggest endeavor. Have you been pretty hands-on with uh, going there and dealing with product uh, like quality control and and seeing the whole process? Yeah, and that's and get taking back into your, your your earlier question. I think for finding the right partners on the ground for us was was tricky. I mean, we have we're lucky to have two really good partners on the ground that are are all over the quality control. And obviously, I'm there two three times a year, right. so I'm able to have my my, my input. Um, but I'm not the expert yet as well, and sort right. of um, I'm more about uh, telling the story here and sort of telling the origin and and how it's different and yeah obviously there's different taste profiles and stuff but I really I really don't consider myself a coffee expert at this at this time I mean we're right. a year in I mean really it's just at this point getting um, a, a sort of a cooperative and farmer collective that's going to allow us to work with them for for five six years maybe ten years down the mm. road yeah uh, yeah well if you could just maybe expand a little bit more on we we talked before like kind of some stories from your time like you spent loads of time there and um i'm sure you're not just working the whole time <laughs> <laughs> no, uh no definitely not working the whole time i mean that's one of the 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 bonuses to having a travel company or like or doing safaris yeah. is you can veer off on your own i mean if you guys want a, a story i mean i've seen everything from cheetahs falling asleep on her truck to hippos chasing us to Come having on. to million plus hits on a youtube channel from our hippo exposure alone Ooh, we had, uh, oh you're the hippo guy <laughs> yeah yeah have you seen this video no you guys, no, I, you no, guys I haven't. <laughs> um we'll have to now though yeah we we, we sort of had a, a run-in with the hippo on a boat at lake naibasha in kenya and my friend evan was filming it and it sort of got picked up on all the major media five years later oh really <laughs> and, really like Perez Hilton, the CNN, stuff like that. And wow. so, sort of, um, you know, CBC came to our, I mean, sorry, CTV came to our condo in Vancouver at the time and did a, an interview on us, what it, what it was like to be chased by hippos. And then it all exploded from there. And it was sort of like five years late, but it was, it was kind of fun. Um, that, that ride was kind of fun, sort of being a, a mini internet sensation for a day. <laughs> a story you probably forgot about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I tried to forget about <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we love, you know, those are all the the awesome stories that come from when when you're adventuring. If you if you kind of think um, of the way that uh, adventure and entrepreneurship sort of blend together, um, you know, do you have any thoughts on on why that's been exciting for you, or why that's important, or you know, even how other people can find adventure through through entrepreneurship? Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's definitely a sense of of adventure, just trying to be an entrepreneur. And I say trying because I'm not sure I'm fully there yet, honestly. I mean, I, hmm. I perhaps I'm being a bit hard on myself, but an entrepreneur is a word that people sort of throw around lightly nowadays. Sure. sure, an entrepreneur could simply be someone who is attempting to start a new business, or it's you know it's easy to start something, but it's it's a lot harder to see something through. Yeah, and they right. say the hardest year out of any business is the first year, and we're just coming out of that. So. Um, but I think entrepreneurship is perhaps a little different, and that's sort of a spirit and connecting with those around you who are sharing a similar vision, mm-hmm. sort of envisioning what 
you know, it was envisioning what you want to create, embracing the lessons that come along with the thousands of steps it takes to create something. Yeah. And so your your to do list is never complete. The list just keeps getting longer and longer. You're never getting mm-hmm. your head above water. You're always treading water. So I think if you're gonna if you're gonna blend entrepreneurship with adventure, it's it's looking at sort of the day to day lessons that come along with trying to be an entrepreneur as an adventure. Because obviously, in adventure, you all the social media stimuli out there, people sort of simulate adventure with the tropical paradise and yachting and, and yeah. you know adventures and climbing mountains and and all the rest of it but you're never going to do that every right. day of your life Thank and you. especially if you want to if you want to blend entrepreneurship or be an entrepreneur um you need to realize that every day is going to be an adventure especially when you are doing it with you know a two-man team um, and even with the sort of foundation side of things that I've been working with in the past, we're a really, really small team with these big, big ideas. And you have to really learn to to take the good with the bad, I guess. And that sort of sounds cliche, but there's literally thousands of things that I'm learning, just even sort of like, a, you know, even, even simple website hosting to how to the best way to send the money overseas. Like there's all these steps that are needed to, to make their business run smoothly. And then not, not to mention bank, you know, accounting and all the rest of it that, yeah. you know, a lot of people don't have those strengths. So it's sort of, there's a lot of lessons to be learned. So and you sort of laugh at it because, you know, you're not going to be, no one's a perfect entrepreneur. And if they want to call themselves an entrepreneur, then, you, you know, have to have the, the, uh, the lessons to back it up and the sort of stories to go along with it. So. Yeah, that's right. No, no, no better way to learn than what you're right. doing right now. So if you if you you just said an interesting thing where you know the first year a lot of people say is the hardest and you're just coming through it so would there be any tips you might have for someone who is starting to you know has a, a really cool idea and they want to start it and you know they're looking ahead and they see the daunting task of of, of getting it done do you have any uh, tips or advice for for people who are embarking on a journey like that I would say. I say yes to opportunity. I mean, you have to realize that adventure isn't equivalent to luxurious and tropical pictures you see, but you have to treat your life as a safari in its own medium. I think you need to listen, learn, observe, and be present, and you'll be amazed with the opportunities that sort of come up in your life, and so it'll sort of guide you. Um, I think a lot of people have these ideas that they want to just start something, and they, they start something, and it's not what they thought. And mm. I think starting sort of a business is kind of like I, I sort of – I compare it to you know painting a picture or writing a song. It's it's you're starting something and it's going to have a totally different outcome than you ever imagined, and you right. keep that in mind and sort of just roll with it, and um, and not to be so hard on yourself from the from the get go. Because you know even you know coming with a with a name for a company can can drive people mad for weeks and weeks and weeks. Mm, yeah. And, and and suddenly you'll you'll have a conversation with someone over a beer or over dinner and you'll have a real aha moment. And, and I take that from my dad because he has these, he claims it as his aha moments where everything just sort of aligns and your stars kind of align because you weren't trying so hard to, to start something. The idea just came on a whim. And that's definitely what happened with Ubuntu. It was, it was sort of, we were using this word for a program on the foundation side. And it was like, well, this word can be expanded beyond its original origin and even the way it was used, you know, 25 years ago with the end of the apartheid, it was sort of this, this word is, should be exposed on a, on a greater, on a greater scale. So I think, yeah, I think if to sum up on that, on that question, I think it's just allowing yourself the space to, to really see ideas, um, 
from different sources and sort of always keep your eyes open, eyes and ears open and really be observant with your every day because you're going to find ideas just through communicating with people. Right. Um, and that's how you're going to get ideas because nothing is really original nowadays either, right? Everyone's trying to create the next thing that's unique and, and um, especially in the tech space and the software companies, it's, you, that's why you see a lot of saturation in the app world is because everyone's just sort of building on previous ideas. Um, but it doesn't have to be that hard, I don't think. It doesn't have to be that hard. Hmm. That's. I think that's really helpful, and I think um, uh, your story to us is a very, a very cool one to see how your life has shaped the work that you do and and continues to do so. Uh, I'd be interested to hear. Have you thought much about where you want to be in the next sort of five to ten years with the organization, especially being so fresh? Do you have any uh, hopes and dreams? Yeah, I think. I mean, we're also registering our our travel company as sort of a Toronto-based travel agency, moving strictly from travel to to Africa, but also doing global travel and sort of eyeing a storefront by the end of six, mm. 2016 that would be sort of a, a coffee shop gallery and event space that would right. also serve as our agency office and, and who knows, maybe a few locations over the next few years. But I think it's sort of, um, it, the, the, the brand has a certain sort of its own sense of clout in that it can be sort of a very robust um, company that people will gravitate towards just from the name mm. alone. Well, that's cool. Like what you're saying starting something new and unique it's hard to do but you're getting into something like coffee which obviously there's coffee everywhere but to do it in a unique way with incorporating other um, aspects like the art and the travel it's a it's a whole other way of looking at it yeah i mean we we've we've dabbled in the in the in the lifestyle apparel as well mm-hmm. but i mean that that game is so saturated as well and that was really just for fun when our sort of friends and family would sure. request request to have our logo on clothing or that would look cool on there and so who knows if we expand mm-hmm. that out um, but I, but I think really for us, it's, it's really focusing now on the two or three industries that we're in and, and making it work. Um, the last year has been sort of everything from messaging to telling our story to really we're examining where we want to be in the next few years. I think uh, the, the coffee and travel and sort of import export game also has a life of its own with sort of, um, with what we can get into there, importing, exporting is one of the new frontiers. And we say it because we think that sort of Africa as a whole is going to be a new, um, has a lot of opportunity for foreign investment. And you'll, mm. you'll slowly see a lot of things online talking about, you know, young millennials where they should put their money and sort of in the markets and, and looking to Africa as a pl- really place to invest. And we really believe in this. And that's why we're, we're sticking to our guns on, on not just doing and partner doing business domestically in your own sort of backyard, but also we really promote doing business abroad. And that's sort of, if you were to ask us in a nutshell, what our sort of differences as a company is, we're always going to look to the underdogs, whether it's sort of a, right. a small family-run safari lodge in, in northern Uganda or um, a, sort of a, a farmer collective that has no market access yet. Um, and so that's going to be our difference as a company moving forward. That's awesome. Uh, Luke, this has been really, really an interesting conversation. I'd love to keep in touch with you over the next little bit, maybe have you back on the podcast in a little bit, maybe even year over year could be pretty fun. See how you guys are, yeah. how you guys are doing and how things are growing and expanding. Awesome. Thanks guys. I guess we, you guys should do a, a podcast out of Uganda next time. Yeah. That's right, yeah. We, that would be very cool to do one from a safari, uh, a safari truck. Hey uh, yeah. Luke, do you want to take a dream. minute and, and plug some of your stuff for us? 
how uh, can sure. We, how yeah, can you can find us you? on uh, Facebook. It's just Ubuntu M B U N T U. We're on Instagram as well, which we really we really press that. Awesome. Um, and um, yeah, Ubuntu.com, M B U N T U.com. Awesome. That that frequently. So. Awesome. Well, we'll send as many people over there as we can. Thanks uh, so much for the conversation today. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, man. Awesome. All right. That was a good time. Luke, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. We appreciate your uh, the things that you've been doing in the world of commerce yeah. and entrepreneurship and how you've blended adventure with that. Interesting guy. Like He has got some stories, I'm sure. We oh, just yeah. got a little taste there, but I'm sure if you were out with him, you know, having a couple beers, he would have some wild stuff to talk about. Some pretty awesome stories. Yeah. So, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. This was another episode of the Open Road Podcast where we hope to help you uh, find a little bit more adventure in your everyday. We do hope that this episode helped you do that with uh, with the stories and tips that uh, that we provided. That's right. We're going to have all of our, um, well, all of the ways you can contact Luke and uh, everything to do with Ubuntu on our website. Uh, links to all that on uh, our website, which is www.openroadpod.com. You can find links to all our social media and get in touch with us there. Uh, if you have, you know, friends or people that you think would either be a good musical feature or would have a really interesting story to share on the podcast, uh, please get in touch. Again, we want this show to help, um, you know, help you find adventure. And also, you know, you're our listeners, so we want to talk about what you want to hear. So um, yeah. if there's if there's people you want to want to um, hear from, if there are specific areas of adventuring that you want us to touch on and find some insight on, we'd, we'd love to do yeah, that. Don't make us do all the work for this. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like if 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 you don't help us, this show is going to crash yeah, and burn. It'll flop for sure. <laughs> So again, guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Open Road Podcast. We would love to hear from you on our social media. So if you haven't uh, you know, liked us on Facebook or followed us on Instagram, why don't you just go ahead and do that? You have nothing to lose. All right, Calv, it's about that time when we hear from a musical feature. Who do we got coming up this week? All right, this week's song is called Every Time by The Last Bison off their latest album, Virginia. Side.
In the past, like past records, um, is there something that's kind of you've done consistently um, in, in writing those songs? Oh, I'd say there's a few. There's a few different things. Um, as far as just basic songwriting, yeah. either a melody will come first, uh, yeah. words will come first, or a chord prog uh, okay. progression will come first. Yeah. It really depends. Um, uh, kind of one of my methods uh, for writing is just to go out. Let me paint you a picture here. You're out on a date, first date with a girl, <laughs> and you you got to do something, you know, memorable to impress her, and it's got to be a story. What are you gonna? What's your go-to? And not the hippo story. <laughs> yeah, the hippos in the bank as a goodie, but um, camel riding camels on the beach in Mombasa, um, and we're trucking down the beach for a good hour. We come back to our hotel, and it was the scene out of the first it was like i swear the first scene out of the jungle book movie it was like there was probably 150 monkeys oh, just no. ransacking our whole <laughs> beach house well, and they uh they ate all my protein bars they're no. crapping everywhere <laughs> you can just imagine like us having a luxurious camel ride on the beaches of mombasa and yes. then meanwhile our, our our beach house is just getting <laughs> completely torn apart and they even got into my cousin who's a professional photographer and he was along for uh uh, um, at an editorial that time, and he sort of they got into his film and they were tangling it up. It was just nope. a, it was just a mess. Uh, it was just a mess. Film, but, real film. These monkeys just like yeah. So I mean, the animal, it. the animal always gives a good story. Oh. It, the interacts with the animals that we've sure. had over the years, but the people are really the the best stories, and those are the ones that I tell people are the reason they should go. I mean, right? You just you know people who don't have a life expectancy past 50, you know yeah. what I mean? It's a whole yeah. new perspective or don't have a birth certificate or, you know, are 75 and they've, they've never been more than five kilometers outside their village, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's mind blowing the stories you have. So uh, those are the stories too, that if you really want to hit the heart, definitely keep me going back for sure. Tune in next week for our conversation with Jordan Bishop from your oyster and how I travel. Here's a sneak peek. Um, just to just to wrap up with you, can you give us one uh, one tip from you to make our next flight the most ideal scenario? <laughs> without without <laughs> now with, without spending any dollars, like you were saying, you know, maybe sweet talking the uh, girl at the desk or something. <laughs> yeah, you know what? We we all kind of chuckle when you say that, but that's actually a very like if I had to give you a top five, which I won't. Uh, but that would definitely be in there. Like, be nice to the people there right. uh, at every step of the way, and 
they will be nice back to you. Right. Because as we know, anyone in the customer service role very rarely is uh, is smiled back at. I right. Would say.